Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds in the medical device industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge, direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies. Oh my goodness, have you seen this, folks? There's a new proposal from FDA regarding malfunctions of devices. And this proposal is is uh, related to like MDRs and adverse events. And um, right now, you know, if, if you have a, an MDR type of event for your device with FDA, then, then you need to report that each time that happens. And this proposal is suggesting that you can bundle these basically that, you know, maybe once a quarter, you could summarize the, what's happening uh, about these malfunctions and, and send one report once a quarter. Very interesting program. It's it's still a little bit up in the air as far as you know what happens next. But um, anyway, Mike Drews and I from Vascular Sciences, we dive into this topic a little bit on this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast. This is your host, and founder and VP of Quality and Regulatory at Greenlight Guru, John Spear. And today we're going to talk about some recent news, frankly, that, you know, it's really at this point in time as as we're recording this, it's really unknown what the overall impact is going to be, but it is very interesting. And it's this topic is about uh, this this discussion about device malfunctions and what this means to safety of medical devices. So joining me today uh, are my, my good friend, Mike Drews, the president of Vascular Sciences. Mike, welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast. Thanks, John. I'm looking forward to our discussion as always. All right. So you shared this article with me, and uh, I'll be sure to provide a link uh, to the folks so they can read it as well. But the title or the, the headline of this article, FDA proposes allowing medical device makers to summarize malfunctions. And kind of the subtitle is proposal allowing firms to summarize malfunctions reignites safety debate. And I want to get into that a little bit, but I thought first a good place to start, if you do me uh, a huge honor in, in talking a little bit about the current uh, requirements when it comes to like adverse event and, and medical device reporting. Can you maybe remind the audience uh, a few moments here about what are the current requirements uh, as we know the regulations today? So it's a great place to start, John, and uh, a small request, since both of us have experience in this area, I'd like to do this together. So let me um, kind of get the ball rolling here, and then you can feel free to uh, add on you know, whatever I may have forgotten. So as, as probably everybody in our audience knows, anytime that there is a problem, a malfunction or otherwise with a medical device, we have certain obligations to report those incidents to the FDA. And depending on the severity of the problem, that will determine how quickly that we have to report it. In other words, for events that are uh, not necessarily life life threatening, not you know mission critical, so to speak, we have a little more time, maybe thirty days. On the other hand, if it's something that is truly affecting the safety and, and you know life or death kind of a situation, then that information needs to be reported much more quickly, uh, usually like in, in five days or so. Uh, and by the way, uh, I would also like to see, uh, although it's not in the current regulation, some frequency of event uh, parameter added in here as well. In other words, even though uh, we might 
have a non-life-threatening condition, if we have a whole bunch of events going on at the same time or within a certain period of time, then maybe we need to uh, report those in a more timely fashion as well. Right now, uh, at least in my experience, John, there is no regulatory or quality requirement to do that. So that's the beginning of the MDR reporting structure. What would you add? What, what else do you think is important that companies remember under the current system? Yeah, it's a good it's a good place to start. I mean, uh, so an MDR is is um, and not, I guess there we could probably think of times when it's not. But generally speaking, if you get a complaint about uh, your product, uh, and that and that complaint led to some sort of or could have led to some sort of serious injury or death, and technically speaking, that fits within the definition loosely of of what an MDR is. So companies need to be managing their complaints and and. F- Virtually for every complaint, at least this is my recommendation to companies, if you're getting a complaint, you need to make that decision or assessment as to whether or not additional reporting is required to FDA and, and frankly, other regulatory agencies. And that's not something that, that you should delay. It's a, it's a decision that you should evaluate almost immediately upon learning this because to the point that you made a moment ago, there is a, a time uh, table or a time scale that's the clock is ticking, so to speak. You have a finite period of time. And so the quicker you can get a handle on this and an understanding of whether or not this is a reportable type of event as it's defined in the regulations today, the quicker you make that decision, you know, the, the, frankly, the, the better your, your processes are going to be, the, you know, the, the more you can stay on top of things and, and better address the challenges. I agree, John. And actually, I would take it a step further Thus far, we've been talking simply about the the reporting requirements, and reporting is certainly an important part of this, but I think in many ways, any action that the company takes or doesn't take is is as important, if not more important, than the reporting requirements. Oh, true, true. So what would you advise uh, companies to do, John, in terms of their own investigation as these complaints come in, uh, especially if it's an acute uh, a problem, you know, a, a life or death situation. Um, I mean, should we automatically institute a kappa? Should we, in some cases, send out warnings to our customers, be they surgeons or physicians, or in some cases, individual patients? Um, yeah. Should we do failure mode recreation to try to, to try to figure out under what circumstances the, the 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 problem led to this kind of a malfunction, so that we can determine the root cause? In other words, was it a design issue? Was it a manufacturing issue? A material issue? Was it a user issue? Was it a one-off kind of a thing, just kind of a fluke, or was it um, something that affects the entire? lot or in some cases the entire design of the product so so what 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 do you think that companies should be required to do perhaps as part of their their quality system to yeah. not just report this information but to act on it yeah good good questions and my first advice is do not knee jerk now don't mishear me I, I want you to be deliberate i want you to apply uh a uh, systematic, methodical approach to this. I want you to be prudent uh, in your investigation. But just because an event happens, it does not automatically mean that you need to necessarily trigger a kappa. It does not necessarily mean that you need to recall product that's in the field. You need to do that, that initial assessment. You need to determine what are the immediate actions that you need to take. You need to understand, in some respects, a root cause analysis of this event so that you can better... On, uh, 
determine are there other products in the field who that may have similar sorts of issues but you need to to take this very seriously uh it, it is an urgent matter when you get this sort of uh complaint from from a from a customer you need to be thorough in that and yes it is possible that once you do uh an, an investigation once you do a little bit of a root cause analysis some of those actions may actually happen you may need to do a recall you may need to notify other customers. You may need to uh, elevate this to a more formal CAFA investigation, but investigate it first. Understand the root cause first before you just do a knee-jerk reaction. Well, I love the way that you put that down, uh, John. We need to investigate. Uh, We should not have uh, a knee-jerk reaction. Um, But as a regulatory consultant, you know, one of my most important jobs here is to play devil's advocate. So let me kind of turn the table a little bit. Um, If we take some period of time to do that investigation that you and I both agree is necessary to come up with the root cause, in the meantime, how many other people are potentially being harmed because we haven't notified our customer base as to what's going on? You know, one of the things that you and I have talked about in the past, John, a growing part of my business is acting as an expert witness in a medical, uh, medical device product liability uh, lawsuit. And I can imagine if uh, we had a situation where there was a severe malfunction, the company was taking your advice and my advice of investigating the problem. Uh, In the meantime, somebody else, a second patient was harmed, and then maybe a third patient was harmed and so on. Um, And, you know, now the attorney is going to be looking to me to say, hey, did not the company have a duty to to inform or a duty to notify that there is a problem going on? Maybe we don't know yet what the problem, you know, is being caused by, but we want to at least let you know that there's a known problem and something you should be aware of. So, no, you know, it's fair. <laughs> I mean, it's it, they're all you make a lot of valid points, and and I, I I still you know even with with those valid points, I stress that that once you learn about something, uh, it's serious. I mean, if somebody got injured or there was a death or something of that nature, that's a very serious matter, and I think. Almost every regulatory professional that I know at, at, that I've ever talked to at a medical device company takes this this type of situation very very seriously, and you should. When you learn of those events, it for that person who's responsible for that area, it probably is a drop what they're doing. This now is the this is a fire. This is the absolute top priority uh, that they need to deal with. And so you know, uh, don't waste time. You know, dive into that investigation immediately. But you should have decision trees. You should have. Uh, processes that you shouldn't be defining what to do uh, for an adverse event or or an NDR type of event when you get one. You should already have have worked out what those process steps are. You should lean into uh, what's defined in, in FDA CFR on this as well, Part 803. You should probably even look at advisory notices and, and recall regulations as well. I think that's an 806, right, Mike? Do you recall? Uh, I don't remember the number. Uh, I don't remember the number specifically, but uh, but but anyway, yes, I, I agree with all the recommendations that you just ticked off, John. But I also know, as a former R and D engineer myself, when I started out in this business a very long time ago, one of the things that I used to spend my time on is failure mode recreation. In other words, you had a problem, you had a complaint, you had a malfunction of a device in the field, and we would try to recreate the circumstances that led to that particular malfunction. And I also know from doing this work myself many, many years ago that it does take time. 
So here's an interesting suggestion that may not be very popular with some folks in your audience, but for very severe life life uh, threatening events, especially devices that are used very frequently, um, where we're under the five day reporting window, for example, um, if this happens on say a Friday afternoon, does that mean that you ask your your key employees to to work over the weekend to come in on Saturday and Sunday to you know to be doing this? So you know what exactly does yeah. that mean in terms of our obligation? Yeah, um, yes, it probably does, Mike. Me, if you get learn about something at five p.m. on Friday, uh, and it's a five day type of event, yeah, that's one of those exceptions. Sorry, folks, to to, to lay this on you, but that's one of those times where every day matters. Um, you know, you want as an engineer, an R and D engineer who wants to do that that uh, try to you know that failure mode, try to reproduce this. Uh, I want as much time as I possibly can, especially knowing that the time is ticking, that that there's a finite period of time before I have to provide a response. Um, so yeah, I think this is one of those cases where, you know, you, you have to alert your your key personnel and let them know, hey, we need to to try to understand what, how and what happened here so that we can determine how big this is, because that's really what you're trying to do. You're trying to figure out what actions you need to take in order to contain this from being a bigger issue. And once you understand that, then now you can you can determine the the appropriate course of action. You know, do now now that you understand a little bit more about what's happening and and how this happens, you may have to generate an advisory notice. You may have to communicate to customers, don't do these three things uh, when using this product. If you do, this this potentially could happen. And I also think, John, and, and we're going to move on to the proposed changes here in a moment, but I, w- one last thing that I would mention as a suggestion to the audience, this is my, oftentimes my professional recommendation be- because I think it's the right thing to do, not necessarily because FD requires it, uh, but also because it's something that I've learned from my product liability work. I do think there's something to be said for transparency. I do think there's something to be said for what my attorney friends call duty to inform. So if you have a problem that's a relatively minor problem, maybe an inconvenience, maybe a, a nuisance, you know, certainly nothing that is, uh, you know, critical to, to a life or death situation, then this advice would not apply. But if you do have uh, a situation where potentially this could be a life or death issue, potentially it could be affecting a number of devices because you have a lot of these devices out in the field right now. I, I think that the right thing to do, and I would, be, I would love to hear your thoughts on this, John, is go ahead and notify your customer base anyway. Uh, just basically say, hey, we want to let you know that there is a problem we, or, or one problem has been reported. Um, We don't know necessarily all of the details yet. We're in the process of investigating it. We will certainly share more information when we have it, but at least put that information out there. And part of the reason why I make that recommendation, John, is because that will take away the ammunition from a potential product liability attorney from saying, hey, you had this information and you were sitting on it. Yeah, you were investigating it, but you were sitting on it for X number of days. In the meantime, my client was harmed because you were sitting on this information. All right, that's that's good advice. And, you know, and and folks don't take that advice lightly. You know, as Mike has mentioned, you know, he gets called to be an expert witness sometimes. So, uh, as as a guy that's on the stand as to what companies could or should or did or didn't do, uh, you know, take it take it directly from him. Uh, it's probably good to to let people know. I was just going to say, John, maybe this is a good time to move on to the proposed changes uh, yeah. that we wanted to talk about in these reporting requirements. And to be crystal clear, 
the scenarios that you and I just discussed are actually excluded from these proposed changes. They are. In and other words, yeah. It, it, go ahead. I was just going to say that the the the, uh, the concern, you know, when I read this article, well, first of all, it, there's a lot of unknowns here, folks. This is not new regulation as of the the time of this podcast. Uh, it's unknown at the time of this podcast what happens next. This is a proposal. This is, you know, for all intents and purposes, based on what Mike and I know today, uh, this is an idea that's being discussed. I don't know what this is going to translate to into. But the, the basic premise is that, you know, as I read this, Mike, is that if this proposal were to go to the next step and eventually become uh, a guidance or eventually regulation, all those things we just talked about go out the window. This is talking about uh, doing like a summary report, maybe even as, as infrequently as every quarter about product issues rather than uh, reporting each individual MDR type of event. Do you read something similar or, or did I misread that? No, I think John. Uh, I the way you know my current understanding, and and I think the disclaimers that you put, you know, this is very much a work in progress. So neither you or I are privy to all of the details. But I think your your assessment is correct. Essentially, the idea here is rather than requiring companies to report um, malfunction incidents on a individual basis, um, whether it's within thirty days or five days, depending on the severity. Companies instead can report malfunction summaries, perhaps once a quarter, where, where if we have similar malfunctions, in other words, a series of malfunctions that are all caused by basically the same problem, instead of reporting them individually, we report them as in, in a summary fashion. Um, and instead of reporting them as they come in, so to speak, we report them perhaps on a quarterly basis. And to be fair, there are some uh, important caveats that FDA is putting on this program. For example, it's being limited to the least dangerous devices. So, you know, we're not talking usually about life-supporting, life-sustaining kinds of technologies. And in addition to that, there's another interesting caveat that's on this uh, program, John, and that is malfunctions that are already known to the agency. In other words, there are there there are a number of devices that have a history of known malfunctions. So my reading of of, uh, of this draft proposal is that as long as the agency and obviously the company has seen these malfunctions before, it's really nothing more than providing sort of an update. You know, hey, we've had a few more of these kind of similar instances, but as I understand it. It doesn't look like we're going to be able to use this summary reporting format for reporting of new types of malfunctions or other problems. And I think, John, you know, that seems like a, a reasonable precaution to me um, in limiting it to malfunctions that we've already seen, we already know about. Well, yeah, I think that's I think that's reasonable. I guess the as you described that one of the, the thoughts that that or memories that jumps into my head was. Uh, an FDA inspection that I was a, a part of I was, uh, many years ago, and um, and this particular inspection, uh, the the that was one of the first things that the FDA investigator asked for is is a list of all the MDR events, and the company had rep- had done a good job. They had reported those MDRs to to FDA. Uh, that you know, of course, that met the criteria. And the uh, the interesting thing to me was that the the FDA investigator didn't have that information. It wasn't 
there was like a, le- a lag in information from when MDRs were reported. It, it seemed anyway to the the database that the this particular investigator was pulling from, and I don't I don't know if that's that that's normal or abnormal or or if you've seen similar sort of things. Well, I have seen similar things, and quite frankly, it's not a surprise. It's no secret that um, FDA does have a difficult time keeping up with, with, with complaints and MDRs and so on. And to be fair, this is not unique to the device world. It's just as big of a problem, perhaps even a bigger problem in drugs. So, you know, yeah. one of the, the challenges that FDA has is when they get all these, diff, you know, these, these uh, hundreds or thousands of reports coming in um, is how do you triage them? How do you separate the, the needles from the haystack? How do you figure out the ones that are really worth worrying about and the other ones that are not? Um, so maybe by allowing companies to summarize these reports, report, you know, several of them at the same time instead of one at a time, that might actually allow FDA to better triage these reports to be able to see the forest through the trees. You know, what we really want to be able to do is we want to find the problems that are really worth worrying about so that we can make sure they're fixed properly and at the same time not let those problems be covered up by just the noise the chatter of you know of all the other things that are being reported that are maybe not worry maybe not as critical that's a challenge for the FDA i think ultimately though and this might sound a bit you know harsh to some people i think the ultimate responsibility is on the company because although the FDA can use the excuse of uh, you know, they're getting all this data and they might not have the resources to sort it out. I'm not sure that the company can make a similar excuse. Obviously, it's in their interest to to keep track of how their products are being used. And by the way, this is a, a little bit of a tangent, but I also think the company has an obligation not to take a look, not to keep an eye just simply on their products, but on similar medical devices on the market. Um, you know, if a, if a device was brought onto the market under the 510K, if there's a problem with the predicate device, and let's say for the sake of discussion, that, predicate de- that the problem with the predicate device is based on the predicate device's design, and the design of your device is based on the predicate device, and there's a problem with the predicate device, then it stands to reason that there might be a problem with your device. So I would actually like to see companies even be more proactive in, in, in not just looking at problems with their own products, but problems with their competitors, especially a, a, a similar a predicate device, and have that in their quality system to at least trigger an investigation. Hey, could this problem be, uh, that, our, that our competition is having on our predicate, could that problem happen to us? What do you think of that suggestion, John? Well, I, I love it because I think you know you and I've talked uh, on previous podcasts and, and previous conversations, that one-on-one conversations that we've had. That uh, it seems that so often companies are are um, they're very myopic in their view of the world, either intentionally or whatever reason. And and part of that that narrow view of the world, um, there it seems like the the behavior that a lot of companies exhibit is react to situations, wait till something happens rather than being proactive. And what you just described is, is a proactive measure. I mean, we shouldn't just look at, at or wait till something happens to our product. We should be more proactive about that and staying ahead of it. And part of staying ahead of things being, you know, uh, going out and, and soliciting or, or looking and observing and seeing what other 
uh, predicate devices or similar technologies or products, what's happening with those products is important. And when we learn uh, this information, this is the whole, really the whole concept of product lifecycle risk management. You know, if you're early in development and you've identified a predicate device that's already on the market, man, that data, that information, you know, on MDRs, adverse events, and, and anything that, that you can glean, good or bad, about that product is all should all be uh, inputs into your risk management activities so that you can make sure that, that you've properly designed uh, your device to, to mitigate or to control those types of issues from being repeated once you launch your product. Uh, so yeah, I, I like the idea a great deal. Uh, and I think you know, the more proactive uh, companies can be, yeah, it's work, folks. Don't mishear me. But the whole overall objective is to make sure that the product that you're developing is as safe and effective as possible. And if you know... And you can find it. It's readily available. And if you can find this information about a predicate device that has already had, has known issues and you didn't do something about it, I mean, shame on you. Well, not only shame on you, John, but I would add from my product liability experience that that actually increases your potential product liability. Because if there is a known problem with the predicate, as I said, if it's, for example, a design issue and your design is similar to the predicate, or it's a manufacturing issue and your manufacturing process is similar to the predicate, or if it's a user issue and your device is used similar to the predicate, if there's a problem with the predicate, it stands to reason that that problem might also affect your device. And at the very least, I would like to see the company investigate the possibility. So in other words, you're exactly right, being proactive as opposed to reactive. On a personal note, John, I would like to believe that whether, uh, you know, as, as medical device professionals, whether we're working in R&D or manufacturing or quality or regulatory or what have you, that people would be doing these things anyway because it's common sense, because professionally it's the right thing to do, and that we would not need to have a regulatory requirement or a quality requirement to tell people do that. But unfortunately, John, you know, I didn't fall off the turnip truck yesterday. So sometimes we do need to have uh, rules <laughs> in place to tell people what they probably yeah. should know anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So bottom line to kind of to wrap up the summary, I mean, I think at least from what I've seen so far, um, you know, there are advantages and disadvantages to everything. But overall, with the caveats, with the limitations that seem to be part of this program, I think probably, you know, my initial take is that the benefits probably outweigh the risks. I would like to see this program implemented on a small scale to start with. Uh, and I understand that's the plan, at least initially. It would be available to only medical devices in certain areas and certain product codes, for example. And, you know, we try it out for a while and we see how it works because there are some potential concerns here about um, transparency. And as a matter of fact, the article, which we can post on the website, uh, mentions a couple of specific medical device companies. I won't mention their names here that apparently did some pretty boneheaded things. That, uh, that did not report certain problems because, believe it or not, according to this article, that information was lost and then they found oh, it again no. five years later. <laughs> I, 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 you know, and listen, yeah. John, suffice it to say, this was not a little... A uh, tiny little medical device company in somebody's garage or basement that right. nobody ever heard of before. This particular company is one of the largest medical device companies on earth. I just find that, um, well, I mean, embarrassing to say the least. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. so, so anyway, I'm cautiously optimistic. I think that potentially this this program, as I said, uh, could have benefits for companies, could have benefits for FDA. 
could hopefully have benefits for patients as well if we implement it properly, uh, if we have the, the, the proper safeguards and caveats in place. Um, and as I said, if we roll it out on a small scale first, do sort of a beta test, I think it, uh, you know, it's 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 reasonable to try it. What are your final thoughts, John? Yeah, I, I mean, it's it is interesting. I mean, I know that um, you know, again, there's a, there is a, a lot to, that's that's still unknown at this point. Uh, I know this proposal was I, I don't know exactly how uh, how many weeks it was out for comment. I believe the comment period is closed at this point in time, so we're in a little bit of a waiting period at this point. But it does seem like there are some potential benefits. Uh, you know, to your point, I mean, it's not going to be applied unilaterally. There are certain areas or device types that that this type of program would fit very well, and others where, frankly, it just won't. You know, like those life-sustaining uh, types of devices. So, I, I think it's it's a it's a good idea. It's a good move uh, to try to streamline. And I think I, I do believe that that applied properly, this type of approach will actually get companies, um, this is my optimism, maybe coming out a little bit, Mike, I guess I should qualify that. I'm optimistic that, that this type of program will, will encourage companies to be a little bit more proactive about what's happening with their products, as well as other similar products, predicate devices, and so on, as well as doing a better job of, of being uh, uh, tracking and trending what's going on with their products and having a, bi- a bigger picture view. And I think that's the promise that this type of thing this type of program has the potential to do is is to, to give a, a better, bigger picture rather than as an individual single event type of, of reporting mechanism. Well, I agree with you. I think if it does encourage companies to be proactive, that's a good thing. I think if it does uh, uh, allow us to use our resources both in the FDA as well as in a company more effectively, I think that's a good thing. Um, but, uh, you know, the most important thing that I think our audience should remember about this program is really what we're talking about simplifying the paperwork here. We're not really talking about making any substantive changes in, in the actual uh, reporting events, uh, reporting requirements themselves. I mean, we all should agree that we have an obligation to report malfunctions. We have, more importantly, an obligation to act on that information uh, and to act on it in a timely fashion, whether we're talking about hours or days or weeks or months. You know, that kind of depends on the situation. But, um, you know, I, I, I share your, your optimism. You know, I like to think of the glass being half full. And this is a you know a positive step in the in the direction that we want to go. But as I said, time will tell. The proof will be in the pudding. All right, Mike. Thank you so much for for diving into this topic with me today, folks. Uh, let me just share with you that that uh, one of the the things that we have in the Greenlight Guru EQMS software platform in our Grow module is is a workflow to manage customer feedback and complaints. So you, we talk about the ability to track and trend what's happening with your products and processes, especially like complaints. You'll be able to do that very easily through a few clicks of a few buttons in the Greenlight software platform so that you can get a better picture. And it's certainly going to help you better report this type of information to FDA and, and other regulatory agencies around the world. So if you'd like to learn more about the Greenlight Guru EQMS software platform designed by medical device professionals specifically for the medical device industry, go to www.greenlight.guru to learn more. Once again, this is your host, the founder and VP of Quality and Regulatory at Greenlight Guru, John Spear. And you have been listening to the Global Medical Device Podcast.